Moscow moles a possible use of nuclear arms to fend off U.S. attack. Well, that's the headline from Reuters. Well, as the Ukraine war moves into its second year, what are Vladimir Putin's options? And how does this conflict end? Retired DOD and Intel analyst Edward Hugland joins us for an in-depth talk on the war. And the FBI admits what Dr. Li Mengyang has been telling the world since the beginning of the pandemic on the Wuhan-China origins of COVID-19. Dr. Yang will share with us her thoughts and also this recent CHAP GPT analysis on the COVID-19 origins. And then the World Health Organization and its desire to rule the world in all things health and then some. It's at the forefront again with the pandemic treaty. Dr. Peter Bregan and James Roguski discuss the importance of this major story. And Dr. Peter Bregan will also tell us about the man who could have saved the world. It's all next on Viewpoint This Sunday. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the weekend news magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here. Well, if you're looking for a program uh, to get a sense of what's really going on in the world, this is the one surely for you. You'll have a pretty good sense when we complete the next hour as to what's developing and where we're at and some of the danger zones. You know, this whole thing in the context of Russia, Ukraine, it, in my thoughts are one of the things that's not lost on me. And, and let me explain is when this started, there was a big push to keep NATO out of this thing. Everybody, if you remember, everybody was on tiptoes. Uh, and it, very concerning to get NATO and more so the United States pulled into this this conflict, which would become a massive potential world war. Um, and so that was a, a big hush hush. That's just about a year ago now, friends. Uh, now what's transpired uh, is uh, you'll see you've seen the development of that relationship more and more with the United States and with NATO getting more involved with all kinds of equipment. You see the trip with uh, President Biden just recently into Ukraine uh, as they were both having their talks to the public, Putin and Biden separately, of course. Uh, so it leaves some things have changed here. The war machine has changed, I would suggest to you. The military industrial complex is certainly uh, on their toes. And uh, I think there's a lot to be said here about this that a lot of people clearly are not talking about here. Let's start the program there, friends. And I want to bring on here Edward Huglin joins us here. He's a retired federal senior executive, U.S. Air Force veteran. Uh, Edward is, uh, oh, about four decades, uh, including serving as a senior leader in the intelligence community, Department of Defense, Department of Homeland Security, uh, Department of Energy, a whole bunch of things. So quite a resume, Ed. And um, and chairman of the CIA strategic planning, a deputy team leader. And I like this for the INF on site nuclear arms inspections of the former Soviet Union, which, of course, is a lot of what we talk about here. Uh, Edward, privileged to have you on Viewpoint this Sunday. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. 
Well, thank you very much for having me on, Malcolm. And uh, it's a very critical topic you're talking about here in, in terms of Putin and potential nuclear aspects. But let me start very quickly by making a short note that, you know, NATO was never a threat. And I think that's a misconception and part of the propaganda that uh, Russia always pushes. Trump pushed the members to get their funds up to date, but Germany and others were siding with Putin to put in a whole gasoline pipeline, basically tying themselves to Russia's hip long into the future. So they were never a threat. And we saw in 2014, when they first invaded Ukraine, there's not a peep from the Biden-Obama administration. And then in 2022, the, the invasion, the first thing to happen, he offered a plane ride to Biden offered a plane ride to Zelensky out of the country. So it's never about Ukraine being a threat. There's other aspects in play here. Can you say 100 percent like I hear what you're saying and I hear that many reports of that. But what about in Putin's mind or Russia's mind? Did they see as that as any kind of a threat? No. So I don't, again, my perception and that having been in the former Soviet Union, the arms control aspects and been a Soviet studies uh, fellow my whole career right. is no. And and that's always a game that Russia's played. Now, during the Cold War, they're a little bit more pucker factor because of the, the uh, potential for a trigger event. But post-Cold War, no, because the main thing Putin's had to focus on is keeping control of his black market economy, keeping control of his citizens who are fleeing in masses. And basically, he's running a failed state. And it's an energy pipeline. That's the only thing he really has. And so as running a failed state, what else does he have? Well, he needed some warm ports, and he needed some more minerals. And he needed to also drive some intimidation into the West, which he's done many times in the mm -hmm. past. Since you opened it up about that pipeline, I, I wasn't planning to, but let me let me stay there just a moment with you, uh, because I, my mind is kind of tripping on this. I, I remember back over the last few years with this pipeline conversation, quite frankly, and we knew it was going to be a problem that Europe was joining themselves on the hip with, with Russia uh, for energy. And of course, we played our energy all wrong here in the U.S. and continue to do so today with this whole green business and Biden, which is a whole nother set of problems. But it really does set up a very uh, a prime fertile field for the military industrial complex uh, to juice things up uh, with this energy business. Do you think Putin in playing uh, chess, as they often do, do you think as he was tying those pipelines in for energy and what have you, he was obviously aware, very clearly, I'm sure this was more military uh, strategic sense than even economic, with the fact that he would have them right where they he wanted them. Was it was that kind of an insurance policy for him, do you think, and for his ultimate move in trying to go after Ukraine? Did that have something to do with it? Well, I'm not sure if it's an insurance policy for Ukraine, but it was an insurance policy for keeping the West to a level of subjugation that he's always pushed. Well, that's so, what I'm talking about. That, that's yeah. exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. It wasn't that indeed an insurance policy for Putin? Sure was. Yeah, exactly. So he, he continues to manipulate the West in that way. And for Ukraine right now, besides uh, causing energy issues worldwide for, for a number of folks, but also mostly for Western Europe, he's also bleeding the Western stockpiles and military weapons dry. And he's also bleeding our national debt, increasing that significantly. So... He's he's playing us mm -hmm. like fools 
for what we are right now with Biden administration. <laughs> I love it. That That's a quotable quote right there, Ed. Uh, yeah, playing us as fools for which we are. And uh, yeah, I think that's what I'm driving at. It seems like we're playing right into this thing, or it appears that way to me as well. Uh, now, we've had a series of intel reports I'm not just talking news on the surface here, but actual intelligence reports that have suggested to us over the past year, year and a half or, or so, that Putin health-wise is simply not well. Uh, he's battling a couple of things, uh, cancer being one, Parkinson's disease being another, as I recall, now this is off the top of my mind. Um, but uh, do you have any reports to substantiate any part of that, sir? Well, so so since I'm still uh, uh, in that realm, I couldn't confirm it or deny. But let me say, based on the open reports, perhaps he does have these things. Uh, the thing is, is that uh, he's getting older. He's going to have health issues, right? He's in a failed state. And so he is a cornered animal to a certain aspect right now. This gives him some room to breathe. The Ukraine gives him some room to breathe. Yeah. The other aspect that gives him some room to breathe is he's threatened to use tactical nuclear weapons. Yeah. And he's pulled out of the new star treaty. Mm -hmm. And so he's he's up the ante just as, as the Soviets yeah. did back in the 1980s with Jimmy Carter when we deployed ground launch cruise missiles into Western Europe. So he's he's playing the chess game while we're playing tic-tac-toe. Yeah. Yeah. And he's yeah. doing a very good job of it. He is like a cornered animal right now. That's exactly how I see that. In other words, you know, he is older. His health is failing. And, and I'm sure of that because I have some pretty good inside intel reports who tell me that this doesn't come. The information I'm given doesn't come from CNN or Fox or, uh, yes, or, yes. or Reuters, um, but it is actual intelligence that tells me that. So I'm, I'm absolutely convinced his days are numbered here. That makes him more dangerous. Now, let's get a couple of points on the table, which you just shared, but I don't want to gloss over them. And they are this. Again, strategic. Back to back to playing chess. He did uh, suspend. Uh, he announcements here this past week, couple of weeks here, suspending the uh, nuclear arms control treaty. Uh, you know, I see this one here, the RIA. You know, which is really what a propaganda news agency for uh, Russia. Is that correct, Ed? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But but still, it's their messaging. So you got to look at it to see what the hell they're saying. Moscow mulls uh, possible use of nuclear arms to fend off U.S. attack. Now, I've seen a series of these reports, but this is in the last many days here. A Russian defense ministry journal says Moscow has developed a new type of military strategy using nuclear weapons to protect against possible U.S. aggression. If Putin is in failing health and he sees Mother Russia, he is a patriot to Mother Russia, he has not much else to lose at that point in the world. He wants to make a mark and a legacy for sure. You know, what does he use for an exit strategy? Does he decide, you know, what What the hell, all the chips are on the table? You know, what have we got to lose? And as you say, he wanted to put the West or the U.S. In a, in a pretzel move, and he did that successfully, and we played right to it. W would he go ahead and use these weapons just at any point in time between now and his exit strategy? Would he do it? The only way I think he would use those if he was felt that he his power was directly threatened while he's still sitting on his throne. You know, he's not a Peter the Great. He's inept in relations. He's like a dysfunctional boy. He doesn't know how to date. So his dating style is to do attacks and murder. So he wants to leave a legacy in the Soviet in the, in the Russia like the Soviet Union. He doesn't want to expand to the former Soviet Union, but he wants to make sure his country is considered a great power still. 
So he's playing this the best he can with the cards he has. But the one thing I think that strategically people also have to take in consideration, to your point, if Putin dies, mm -hmm. who really benefits here exactly. next? Exactly. It's the game of gold. Xi from China. Mm -hmm. China lost territory to Russia back in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. China hasn't forgot about that. They have 100, 300-year plans. So I think she's playing with Putin, knowing that Putin will eventually have a demise, Russia being a failed state, then what, who else can step in to then take over that black market economy and drive things? Well, China, because they'll have the economic wealth and stuff if they're not stopped. Mm -hmm. And so our whole strategy right now of continuing to just pour arms into Ukraine is really insane, where we need to start fighting the cognitive war and then getting back to his people like we did in the old Cold War to help them understand what reality is and that they need to get rid of this dysfunctional dictator. I look back at the whole Russia, Russia, Russia collusion business, the threats of uh, accusing the president of peeing on hookers and prostitutes in uh, hotels in uh, Russia. And it, the whole thing was so insane. It was a far-fetched book or a tale or a novel. And it was put out there, this propaganda as real information. And we know this now, but my sense back then, as it is today, is that the United States relationship with Russia, there was a point in time, I'm guessing, and or at least I'm thinking, where we could have pulled Russia to the table and had a conversation. We aligned more with the thinking when it comes to the West than we did with China and the people of Russia, talking about the people of Russia now. And I, I just had a sense that we sort of blow it back then because we made a mockery out of the whole relationship. Is there any truth to that? Oh, I, I absolutely agree. So the, the moment we declared victory in the Cold War, we lost it. Why? Because it was at that time, the Russian people, those under Soviet domination, were looking for the West to help to move them from that dark, tyrannical society yeah. to a newfound level of freedom. Yeah. But we walked away from that. And so Putin- Well, we walked away from it and we went 90-90 boo-boo. Yeah, exactly. And we stuffed it in her face. Now, I'm going to bring up something that's also a little bit more on a strategic level. From my perspective, mm -hmm. you remember uh, Obama talking to uh, Putin's a uh, sidekick there uh, and saying, we can talk more, I have more flexibility after the election. From my perspective, if you have a compromised president, in my mind, like we do with Biden, okay, then you have the perfect chess game here because they will feign continued fronts and fighting in Ukraine, mm -hmm. while at the same time, then undermining our society continually along with China, bleeding is dry from weaponry. And you notice Biden always delivers things a day late and a dollar short to Ukraine. Yeah. And so I think that's exactly where they're going with this. This is a, a double level chessboard. And, and Putin, Xi, along with some corrupt and complicit folks here in the United States like Biden, mm -hmm. I think are playing this for fools. Because remember, yeah. Biden before when he was vice president and when he left the office, he was in a number of nefarious deals in Ukraine, in Russia and China. It, it, to me, I'm, I'm guessing the way you laid out there, it's like a calcu calculated game of chicken, isn't it? To one degree, it's calculated, but they have a strategic plan. They have a strategic uh, actual strategy and they know how they're executing. Mm -hmm. Whereas our generals and admirals and our national security apparatus is stuck in the industrial age. Yeah. And only on kinetics, where this is a cognitive war in the cognitive domain. They're fighting a mental war, yeah. and we are completely unarmed. All right. This, this, I want to reference this piece in the RIA. 
They said that they concluded Washington was worried it might be losing dominance over the world and had therefore apparently prepared plans to strike Russia to neutralize it. Now, that's a pretty gross statement to make. The reason I put it out there is because uh, there is a sense in the media, uh, or I'm asking you, I, I get a sense they, that a lot of the media is playing to the drumbeat, that we are losing dominance in the world. And back to this RIA statement and these Europeans prepared plans to strike Russia to neutralize it. What do you say to this uh, losing dominance in the world? Is the United States losing that dominance in the world, number one and two? Put any measurement on that second part of that statement? Well, so I don't think the U.S. is losing dominance in the world. Uh, the U.S. is lo- losing dominance for the interim here as long as Biden's in the White House because he's completely inept. As for the U.S. strike to regain dominance, you know, we've never been the aggressor in any war like that to go ahead and, and purposely attack another country in this type of thing. So that's the continued propaganda out of Russia. And the reason they're doing that and the reason to hyping this stuff is because Biden, by continually supplying massive arms now to Ukraine without looking for a, a peace treaty or a way out, helps to feed that false narrative to the Russian people that their country, their homeland, their motherland is back under attack again. Mm-hmm. That buttresses Putin's yeah. being within Russia because there's no counter narrative. There's no counter message. So that's why you see when you look at polls for Putin, mm-hmm. he has high rankings right now. Why? Because he controls the narrative and we help feed that false narrative mm-hmm. by our actions. That is a very, very good point. Very viable point. And by the way, according to the Council on Foreign Relations, since the war began, Biden and the Congress has put over 75 billion billion uh, in assistance to Ukraine. Is, is that a, a real number, Ed? Yes. And, and, the, and the problem there is, what's the exit strategy? What's the strategy we're looking at? We're not going to bleed Russia dry mm-hmm. with them mating China. Putin, while he's alive, is not going to give up those Ukrainian territories. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do, in my mind, is back away from putting Putin in the corner, sue for some peace right now in Ukraine, and then start to talk about how do you bring Russia into the fold of the West from a long-term strategic perspective, mm-hmm. because the Russian people, as you mentioned yeah. earlier, Malcolm, yeah. Yeah. Russian yeah. people yeah. are yeah. robust, yeah. fantastic people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, I'm so glad you said what you said. You know, you and I've never talked about the point you just said, but I have told listeners so many times over the years, I, I, I'm telling you, the United States has far more in interest with the Russian people. They are amazing people. You're exactly correct. Uh, and far more in common uh, than we do with the communists uh, on the other side of the world there um, in, in the CCP, speaking of here, and a structure of life and all of that. And I, and I think that that is understated. And I love what you say, pull them back into the West. And this is where I thought our Democrat and Republican uh, rival here in our country has really undermined our national security in ways that I don't think the average American really understands. Ed, do you agree with that statement or not? Oh, yes. I mean, it's, it's like the Keystone Cops. It's it's pretty sick. Yeah, it, it is pretty sick. So at this point, your confidence level, then the money we put in is you're, you're right. And I get a sense, uh, uh, you know. That that um, uh, we're losing this battle right now. How, let me just ask you to wrap this segment up so we get on to China here. How does this end, please? In, in your wildest imagination, how does this end with the Ukraine-Russia thing, please? So good question. I think that how this ends is we, we come to an agreement with Putin to stop the war. And from that point, start to do some de-escalation aspects. 
But at the same time, as we talked about, Malcolm, we have to then, yeah. like we've done with every other country we've, we've been in war with, we have to then take a look at then how we build a prosperous path forward and help move Russia from a black market economy to a more capitalist society. They'll never be fully democratic, but that's the that's the pathway to the future. Now, most people aren't going to want to do that because they're stuck with the military industrial complex and wanted to spend more money, more weapons and such like that. But that's where I think we need to go. But yeah. we have to be careful because Putin is very sly. Okay. Oh, yeah. So as Reagan said, trust but verify. Oh, I love Reagan, man. Man, we could use him at this moment, couldn't we? Have, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I think about that all the time. He was one of my favorites. Number 40, we're talking about the President Ronald Reagan. In my lifetime, he was he was there uh, for somebody who could put their hand on the world and really feel the pulse of where the world was. Now, that's a great analysis. Your entire analysis was uh, just uh, perfect there. Stay right there, Edward. Be back in just a moment with you here. I'm going to bring on the broadcast now here. Dr. Li Meng Yang is here. Uh, she's an independent virologist, a whistleblower called out to CCP. Uh, she is a host of the voice of Dr. Yen here on America Out Loud Talk Radio, in fact, and just a wonderful person. And uh I want to dive right into uh, this latest on the CCP, and that is the Wuhan. Um, everybody's here on this, of course. All right, the FBI, Christopher Ray, he comes out and says, you know, it's like I could have, whatever, could have had a V8 moment. Like, oh, man, let me just tell you about this pandemic, uh, that the lab leak was from Wuhan, and uh, that uh, the, this whole idea of dubbing it as a conspiracy was not accurate, which is what we've been talking about. You've been on the front lines of this from moment one. It was a big deal. And of course, the Department of Energy as well is on this page. So finally, the cards are starting to play out. Does that give you a sense of uh, feeling like you accomplished something? Because from moment one, that's been your words that you've told the leaders in the country here. Do you have a sense of satisfaction that they're finally saying that? Thank you for having me again. Yeah, I, of course, I feel that uh, good progress and actually it's already overturned the nature origin theory and even mainstream media like CNN and New York Times have to admit that it comes from the Chinese lab. However, uh, also as I always emphasize in public that this is just the beginning of the whole investigation. There is a quite a long way to go. We have to uh, go forward together because now you only confirm as even uh, FBI director Ray said, uh, they know that it comes from the CCP government controlled uh, lab. And also he said this is incident. He didn't use accident. He also said this virus was designed to kill millions. That's all his original words in the interview. Mm -hmm. Then we need to say, of course, I have evidence show that comes from the CCP government and the military. And he, uh, Xi Jinping directly uh, controlled all these things. So we should ask China, what's their purpose to intentionally release it out of the lab to Wuhan? And also we must understand what else they have in this kind of military labs, because I have the, uh, the very confidential evidence. Uh, the sources have told that they never stopped developing this kind of novel unrestricted bioweapon. There are more on the way. Yeah, How could yeah. we prevent it? Yeah. Well, what people don't understand is the future of conflict is not going to be a kinetic war, to be sure. And um, back to world dominance, uh, these kinds of stories uh, are going to become more prevalent now with these viruses and biolabs and this kind of thing, especially 
It's almost like this was an experiment, the COVID-19 thing. Like, we'll put this out there and see how the world reacts. And if it was indeed, then surely the world failed and the United States failed. There was a really fascinating video put out, uh, an, an AI video. Uh, and uh, I think this was a chat GPD put it out. I don't know. You can qualify that. But it was fascinating. And um, it was revealing the truth behind COVID-19. They look into the origins. And it referenced the Yan reports, the three Yan reports that are actually on America Out Loud on your page and that you put out there. And and it talks about you coming from the School of Public Health in, in the University of Hong Kong. It talks about the three different points here based on that the virus was based on the backbone of the Zhuhan bat virus, that the virus was functionally enhanced. And here's the kicker that COVID-19 underwent animal pathogen in the lab to become more transmissible to humans. Uh, and so this was what you've been saying right along. That Those are your words and your reports. And this video puts it out there. Tell us about that AI video and this message, come, which I'm going to link into the post when this goes to podcast. Tell me about that, please. Oh, and I come. This was done by one of the uh, audience uh, in China, uh, a Chinese audience, and this audience has done it, and he has emailed uh, me and my friend about how he has done that. Basically, he just uh, uh, asked Chat GPT to write something about uh, uh, how the older media has shared my. Uh, first-hand information back right. to 2020 January, mm -hmm. and then know that come from the virus come from Wuhan lab, and then this was be, uh, be treated was treated as conspiracy, but now it is well known and accepted by public. And also, he wants the video uh, to the to introduce a little bit about my Yen report and also why the DOE uh, conf uh, confirmed it, how the DOE confirmed it and the Congress will hold the hearing there. So it's very amazing that chat GPT based on all these questions gave the uh, context in chi simple Chinese and then also translated into English and put the video image and also uh, read it. However, it still can accurately identify oh, it was amazing. virus. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. A, it is a really good. I'm going to, again, link it to the podcast post. Friends, you can see this uh, when you go to America Out Loud Sunday afternoon, be after three, three, four in the afternoon, this broadcast goes to podcast. You can get on any podcast uh, network worldwide. But if you want to see the video, go to americaoutloud.com at the top there at the front page, and you'll see this show. Click on it and you'll see the video I'm talking about. It is it is two and a half minutes roughly, but it is well worth your time to get a sense of it. And it, and it condenses everything in a very interesting way. And this was put from a citizen in China. You're telling me, Dr. Yen, you had nothing to do with it yourself, but with the chat GPT, it puts it together in a very compelling um, and convincing way in very short order. So it's, it's really well done, yeah. There's a lot of words about holding China accountable. Will, in fact, it was asked to President Biden the other day, will you hold China accountable? The media, of course. And of course, Biden puts his hands up and walks away. I mean, please give me a break. China's going to lie about whatever they lie about. However, if they do answer anything back, it's going to be a bold-faced lie. It doesn't matter. So what are we holding them accountable for? And what does that mean? Slap them on the wrist and give them sanctions? Send them to bed without dinner? I mean, what what, what the hell does that really mean, holding China accountable? Malcolm, it's very, it's very simple. How did you hold 
uh, Ben Laden accountable for 911. And now they, there are more than uh, people dead in 911 in the pandemic. So how could you hold Xi Jinping and the CCP and their military accountable? Do you only sanction Ben Laden? No. And do you only like talk, talk, talk with Ben Laden, negotiate and even do business with them? No. Do you allow people to all be here for Ben Laden? No. Then why do you allow it to China? And also China now is helping Russia. They want to expand, they want to replace America, and they're working on that. So give up all the fantasy, forget all the lies from China, forget their people, their, I mean, CCT's people, for, forget their partners, focus on Xi Jinping and his core team, because China is a terrorist country. Right. Once you remove the terrorist and also his team, the other will just uh, disappear, like the king of night yeah, in the yeah. Game of Thrones. Uh, all right, let, let me go ahead and ask the same question. Let me bring Edward Hagelin back into the program and the broadcast, please, on this point. And this whole holding China accountable. I don't think there's a damn thing we can do to China that they really give a rat's ass about. You Tell me I'm wrong, please. Okay, I'll tell you you're wrong, Malcolm. <laughs> let me put it this way here. Let me touch on a few points. First of all, you were correct when you said the next war here is not going to be kinetic because it's cognitive. It's ongoing now, and China's been playing it and playing this like fools as well. Mm-hmm. How we hold them accountable is, as Dr. Yen said, we've done this with other countries in the past. Mm-hmm. We removed the 370,000 Chinese students in the United States immediately. We shut down the MBA and any other major commercial endeavors that are ongoing with China. We pull them back to the United States and we give them one year or less to do that. Mm-hmm. We hold them accountable because we have a certain amount of national debt that we hold with them also. But mm-hmm. most importantly, we move from a reactive to a proactive posture, an offensive posture in the influence game. China is on pins and needles. We saw this with Xi and the COVID lockdowns. He acquiesced because he was going to lose power. His country was going to explode, as Dr. Yen had mentioned, okay, in total chaos. They're ready to explode in total chaos, but they need assistance and help. So while we continue to focus on the kinetic aspects like morons, we don't have a cognitive game that we're playing here. And that's where Xi is extremely weak because the bulk of his military, 80% plus, is used to control his people. Mm-hmm. So this is where we have some great opportunities. Edward, I, I don't disagree with what you say, but the morons are still running Washington, D.C., my friend. Well, it, it, what it is, it's strategic, right? And if what we're at in the United yeah. States is a, is a myoptic two to four year focus. We have to get it's called con- an election cycle, brother. Yes, exactly. But we have to then move our national strategy from a four-year strategy to a hundred-year strategy. Amen. We have to get a bipartisan agreement because mm-hmm. we can't continue to make short-term investment decisions yep. that are yep. killing our country at the expense of our long-term c- country survival. Edward, I love what you say right there. Uh, that, is, that is absolutely perfect. Um, and uh, we're out of time here. Edward Huglin and uh, Dr. Lee Meng Yang, fabulous segment here. Um up next, uh, this other massive story with the World Health Organization, the pandemic treaty you've been hearing a lot about. Big, big story coming up next year, as well as another interesting thing, the man that could have saved the world. This is going to be fascinating. Stay right there, friends. More Viewpoint in just a moment. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. 
Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. Working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is indeed Malcolm Out Loud here, yours truly, and always a privilege to be with you my fellow Americans, and to all of our friends around the globe, thank you for joining us and making Viewpoint this Sunday the fastest growing news magazine and the number one broadcast on America Out Loud. Uh, appreciate you being here. You know, when I say the World Health Organization, everybody has a sort of sense or feeling right away that comes to your mind. People who follow this stuff carefully or follow America Out Loud or the work we're doing, it's probably not going to be a very positive feeling or thought that comes to your mind. Uh, when I say that, other people that don't pay so much attention to a lot of these things, and this is not a negative, I'm not trying to be funny here, uh, they don't have that same sense or feeling. So those are the people I really want to reach today. So let me start here. I want to reach the people. So we're not out to uh, discredit anybody. And I don't want anybody to think that we're you know trying to play games. I just want people to really understand the severity of what we're dealing with right here. Now, I want to bring on here uh, two big voices here. Dr. Peter Bregan uh, he is going to be here in moments here. And he's, of course, the co-author of COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey, along with uh, Ginger Bregan. Um, of course, they are hosts here and writers at America Out Loud. And it is one of my privileges of my life is to play with people like this in the sandbox of life. Uh, this is two of those people right here, as well as earlier, the ones you heard, you know. Uh, but uh, they have been on top of all this story. In fact, they wrote a uh, a very early article back in May 22 about the story of Biden handing over U.S. sovereignty to who uh, that we'll touch on as well. 
Really excited also to have in here. James Roguski is here, and he's been front and center to this story as well, along with Bregg. And they both have been, again, two of the biggest and best voices in this fight. I don't put it any other way. Uh, James has researched this thing probably better than about anybody. Uh, he's an author. Uh, he's a, a proponent of, nat- well, I love this, natural health, like we many of us here on our platform are. Um, an activist. Aren't we all activists, though? Yes, we want to right the wrongs. That's what that means. That's a, you know, that's what we're all about. But he's been um, exposing this WHO agenda as well. And let's open it up now. And I want to put this into context and move quickly here. But Dr. Peter Bregan, I want to start briefly with you and open up the door. The World Health Organization, number one, how do you tell Americans? Are they our friends or not, number one? Two, what is the danger? Uh, Malcolm, the World Health Organization is an agency of the UN, and it is very left-wing, basically communist-controlled to a great extent. Communist China heads most of the agencies, far more than anybody else. But it's in collaboration with the World Economic Forum and with Bill Gates. So you have two empires controlling the World Health Organization. The Western one uh, that we're familiar with is Bill Gates and the World Economic Forum and the uh, NATO and the European Union. Uh, And then on the other side, it's Xi Jinping and the Chinese communists. And they both collaborate to use the World Health Organization to be the essential uh, army, the cutting edge, uh, the forward movement of totalitarianism in the world. And then when the um, pandemic started, uh, they covered for both Bill Gates, who was out to plunder the world with his vaccines, Mm -hmm. and the Chinese communists who released uh, the virus itself. They created it. They released right. it. Right. I absolutely believe it was intentional, the, the leak of this thing in the Wuhan lab. And, I, and I'll go one step further, as I told listeners up top of the broadcast. I believe this was a test experiment to see how the world would handle this particular. This was like a fire drill, this first bioweapon that was released. What do you say to that? Uh, there's no question that, that it was a bioweapon weapon in the making made in collaboration this is so crazy with the u.s and funded by anthony fauci all of this we clearly clearly document uh, in covid19 the global predators because it's in the scientific literature that they're doing all this stuff this back in may 22 that article you wrote biden handing over the u.s sovereignty to who i want to ask you this now you say right in here And I have a point to why I'm asking this. You say, please take seriously the severity of this existential threat to everything free people hold dear. Do everything in your power to pass this report on to others and to find ways to communicate with and to influence people to stop empowering the World Health Organization to take over our national sovereignty and freedom. But then you follow up with this. And I want to ask you a question here. You say on May 22nd through 28, 2022, ultimate control of America's healthcare system and hence its national sovereignty will be delivered for a vote to the World Health Organization's governing legislative body, the World Health Assembly. And so what, and, and you read the, the warning right then. What happened? Cause there was a sense of urgency back in May of 22. What happened in the follow through with that? And why are we still talking about this today, Dr. Bregan? Well, I want to take you back because actually we get more credit than that, you and I and Ginger. In February 18th, we put up a paper on America Out Loud about the fundamental problem. So I need to go back to that. 
Hmm. On January 24th of 2022, uh, mm-hmm. one year ago plus, the uh, World Health Organization had an executive meeting, Tedros, mm-hmm. and Tedros announced, and this is, this is the key, the announcement, so you understand where they're going, their major priority in the future was going to be, quote, to urgently strengthen WHO as the leading and directing authority on global health at the center of the global health architecture. So this is way beyond treaties. It's way beyond amendments. It's a plan as the cutting edge of globalism to create totalitarian. Who said that, that comment you just put this out there? Is the, this is the director general of who addressing his organization. Now, there you go. There Urgently you strengthen who is yeah. the leading and directing authority on global okay. health at the center of the global health architecture. Okay. And then he went on to talk about the universal health care. So we're worried about whether we're going to get too much of it here. He's planning it worldwide. Okay. And finally, he closes, what sound, which sounds like a Hitler chant. Mm-hmm. We are one world. We have one health. We are one who. In other words, we're going to be the dictators mm-hmm. of everything pertaining to health. And for them, that includes war. That includes uh, justice and equity. Mm-hmm. That includes uh, medical and general health. And now as this evolved... We blew the whistle on this and saw that they were making agreements Mm -hmm. that were going to look like treaties, but they wouldn't be called treaties. They were going to make agreements with the nations of the world, the U.S. firmly backing them, the EU backing them, to give up sovereignty uh, to the WHO Mm -hmm. at the suspicion of any kind of an international health concern, period. Bring James Rogowski into the conversation, please. And uh, James, as you hear this all being put out now, again, and as listeners hear this, what is the biggest concern people should have? Because when they see, let me just tell you something. When the average person sees World Health Organization, they're thinking, okay, what could be so bad about that? Now, Reagan just put out a very compelling reason why that's so bad uh, because of that control factor. Tell us what your biggest concern in, in researching this and the way you have that you've uncovered. Malcolm, thanks for having me. I think I can summarize this in about two minutes. So let's see how well I do. Um, Back in May of last year, the the, uh, World Health Assembly actually did adopt a small set of amendments to the international health regulations. And to this day, practically no one is reporting on it. The way the international health regulations are amended is the delegates get together, they meet in back rooms, they agree, they reach consensus, and then a document is brought to the floor of their assembly. And it's simply stated, are there any objections? If no one objects, it passes through, it is adopted. That is all that is needed. No presidential signature, no Senate confirmation, no prime minister, no parliament, no nothing. That happened last year. It could easily happen again. At that same assembly, they adopted a resolution in in getting all of the member nations to, by September 30th, propose additional amendments, which is what we are dealing with now. 
there are 307 proposed amendments on the table. And the nut in, in this nutshell is that these 27 nations of the European Union, the five nations in the Russian Federation, Indonesia, India, Uruguay, Paraguay, Brazil, and Argentina have proposed amendments to institute a global digital health certificate. These collective amendments would put us in a digital prison. That is what people need to focus on. That is not included in any discussion of the so-called pandemic treaty. Those are amendments that are being considered right now by Mara Burr and Colin McIff, who are our delegates to the WHO. They do not need presidential signatures. They do not need approval of the Senate. They are attempting to enact uh, the beginnings of their worldwide dictatorial totalitarian you know, medical martial law. And they've identified a flaw in the international legal system that they're seeking to take advantage of. The piece that you said was already done or early in your talking points there. Um, and you said they don't need the approval of the king, the president or the janitor, whatever. And you're saying that's already been done. That's within the confines of who you're talking about, World Health Organization, that piece? And the international health regulations to which we have been a party for decades. It includes in the agreement that we are party to the method by which that agreement can be amended. Okay. They did it last year. They could do it again this year with the greatest. Degree. So my question is, how could they do that without it, it still doesn't compute without the authorization of our Congress or, or our officials? Yeah. How they have received the authority to do so by virtue of the mission to Geneva signed and gave authority, this is actually on page 60 and 61 <laughs> of the International Health Regulations. <laughs> in July of 2007, they accepted the 2005 version of the amendments to the International Health Regulations, and the regulations themselves govern how the regulations are amended. It's basically, we're party to this agreement, and that's part of the agreement. It's already done 20 years ago. Dr. Bregan, back to what James is talking right now here. Do you subscribe to that same thinking that he's just putting out there that we have no say in the matter? Well, I didn't say that we don't have a say in the matter. I said that there is a flaw in the system that they are attempting to take advantage of. Basically, there are two methods that they're trying to shove the same thing down our throats. Eventually, uh, and we don't know exactly when, they've opened up the uh, amendment possibilities by putting a place sitter amendment in there. They didn't put in all the threatening amendments last May. I mean, the helter-skelter uh, uh, fierce uh, attack we put on actually prevented them from putting in the contents of the amendments we're afraid of. But they got a place sitter in there now, and they're revising the amendments. They are totally backed by the United States, and all they need is a vote in this May that's coming up at the end of this May, okay. once they get them organized, if they can do it in time, and they could impose through these amendments mm -hmm. the rule of international law 
making the who the central power. Now, James is talking about something very important with these digital uh, passports that are going to be such a problem. But I would emphasize that it, that the biggest problem is the overall power that they give to the WHO to declare health emergencies in any nation and to enforce it on them. Yeah, yeah. And, and if then I may, we have if, the digital issues mm-hmm. as one of the worst of the potential attacks. Meanwhile, they also have churning the not the amendments, but the declarations. So it's a two-pronged attack. The declaration requires only the signature of the president, according to the international law, because it's not called a treaty. It requires the signature of the president. And, and of course, our president would sign this in a heartbeat, or the secretary of state would Sign or somebody appointed by the Secretary of State. It's that simple. One, and it's in the Constitution. But we'd have to approve it at that point. You're saying. No, no, it's law. You just said the president would have to sign it. Did That's you not? It. That's law. If the president signs it. Yes. Yes. The, uh, yes. And our president so, will sign anything. Well, I, I understand, but I just said we would have to approve it. You said no. Yes. No, that's would. that uh, is uh, the again, that, if, no, if that's may, different. That's I, different. Let, I may, let me try Malcolm, to clarify if this. I may, Malcolm and Peter, if I may. Okay. Well, this is where the confusion is out there in the media that I hope to clarify. I am not talking about the treaty. If you convert, if you merge the two thoughts together, everyone will be confused. The amendments have 307 things, many of which are absolutely horrible. If anyone is talking about the amendments, they would simply be passed by the World Health Assembly, no signature, no Senate involved. When you bring in the details of the treaty, Mm -hmm. people get confused. And so there are an enormous number of egregious things in the amendments. Everyone is being distracted by smoke and mirrors. I'm simply encouraging everyone, please separate them in your mind. They're different. And the danger is in both, but the amendments are being you know, used because they have identified that they can turn this into international law without anyone's signature. They yeah. did it last year. Yeah. They may be trying to do it again this year or next year. They've been very you know, sketchy. They say next year, but yeah. the point is yeah. to distinguish in your mind, the amendments are a totally separate process there are amendments to the international health regulations. The treaty is horrible, but if you cross-pollinate them, everyone will be confused. But the big overall issue, this is to me a little different way of looking at it than, than James is, which is the who is out to, to be the agency for creating a totalitarian right, right. world government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the who has to be stopped. And and more than anything else. We, we should, I believe, get out of the WHO mm-hmm. and maybe the UN, too. Well, we've talked about that for decades now, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, let me give James Roguski the last word on this topic. James, follow that up with what uh, Dr. Bregan says. Peter, you're going to have to allow me to agree with you on everything that you've said. Um, and I have been the proponent of ExitTheWho.com. Representative Andy Biggs has proposed H.R. 79 which would um, revoke the legislation that got us into the WHO, 
it would stop giving money to the WHO, and it would give them the one-year notice that we're obligated to give so that we could exit the WHO. Uh, James, thank you for joining us here on Viewpoint, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. All right. Now, I want to talk to your next friends about a very interesting uh, uh, op-ed that you'll see here on Sunday morning, right on AmericaOutloud.com. And this gets really quite fascinating. So buckle your seatbelt up a moment here. And it's referenced uh, entitled with, Could This Man Have Saved the World? And it, it comes back to the origins of, uh, of how COVID happened, but the mRNA and speaking about the vaccines uh, and uh, this uh, messenger RNA. Dr. Peter Bregan, you're the author of this op-ed, Could This Man Have Saved the World? And let me just put give you the floor a moment and tell uh, Americans who this man is and what the concern is, sir. Yeah, well, let me start and to give people the context. Robert W. Malone, MD, has sued us. He's put it into court. He hasn't yet, uh, he has not yet delivered uh, the, the case to us. So uh, the, it hasn't begun yet, but it's sitting in court waiting for them to subpoena us or, you know, send us service. Now, why is is he suing us for all this amount of money? And it's that Ginger and I have refused to back down from telling the truth about him. That's as simple as that. It's nothing personal. Ginger and I have been telling the truth about dangerous situations and uh, people we feel are harming other people, really all of our lives. This particular thing that I discovered is about uh, Robert W. Malone. Now, he came on into our world claiming to be the inventor of the mRNA, the uh, mRNA platform, or even at times saying the vaccines themselves. That gave him a lot of power. He got a tremendous amount of uh, publicity. And he tried to present himself as this moderate who wanted to tell the world there were some problems with this vaccine. He was not going anywhere near as far <clears throat> as I was or McCullough uh, or Reese or many others who were seeing that 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 this was a, a fraud, this, uh, this whole vaccine thing that was kill killing large numbers of people. And he would not go to that place. We have now found a paper that he wrote in January 2020 with Daryl Rickey, R-I-C-K-E, first author, Robert W. Malone, second author, just the two of them. Rickey's from MIT. He was a prestigious guy in their labs. And <clears throat> at the time, Malone was the chief medical officer of a biotech company, both men with a lot of influence. Malone, at that time, very deeply involved, as he says, in, in the Defense Department, in a very powerful position. And they put this paper up on um, Lancet, and they put it up on ResearchGate. It never went through a full peer review, but it is a very detailed paper with tables, lots of research. And what this paper claimed was that the all the vaccines that people were thinking about turning into, you know, an offense against the uh, pandemic and this is now january 20th this is this is right after the first news comes out 
and Malone's research in the lab and Ricky's and their uh, review concluded basically that the vaccines were unsafe even to be experimented on mm -hmm. in humans. Right. In other words, this man who was deeply involved enough to at least claim to want himself to have invented the vaccines, yeah. right, which right. nobody, no one man does that, of course, but who did research in this area and knew the top researchers, came out with another man from MIT and put up in what are obscure places for most people to look, platforms, not, not in the journals themselves, <clears throat> these articles. Yeah. Now, Malone then does not mention that we should stop these uh vaccines, pseudo-vaccines entirely, until a few weeks ago. So your argument is, had he done it then and really come out in an aggressive way, it would have changed the whole trajectory of these vaccines? I think that they could have been stopped because right. if he'd come out at that point and said, look, these articles, which no one yet has uh, published as far as I know, it, no one has, has made them available. Mm -hmm. We're given the links to them, and we've also got them up on our website. So if they take them down, we still got them. Yeah. If he had come out even two years ago right. and announced yeah. uh, that this paper existed showing how deadly these vaccines were going to be because of something called antibody-dependent enhancement, which is that if you take the vaccine and then you get uh, the disease, because mm -hmm. it can break through the vaccine, you'll have a combination right. of the stimulation of your system by first the vaccine and then by the disease, and it becomes deadly. Yeah, yeah. And I knew about this uh, fairly early on. Uh, but the vaccines were still, um, they weren't even out yet back then. No. You're saying, understood, when he did the paper, right, back in January 2020. Yeah. You know, when it, that, yeah. It's a year before right. the vaccines came Before out. Operation Warp Speed and all that happened and everything yeah. else, yeah. So it, it was a little, uh, I think the biggest thing I heard from a lot of people is how could the inventor of the mRNA, which was very mind perplexing when that came out, this was huge actually. And we, we kept seeing that with this name Malone, Malone and, and inventor of mRNA. I think a lot of people were questioning uh, when the vaccine started to go bad. Um, I don't know. It started to get a little murky, Dr. Bregan. Things sort of changed a little yes. bit within the narrative, right? Is that what you're saying? Or? How could he withhold information that where he had come to a conclusion three years earlier that the vaccines were too dangerous for human consumption, period? You can't, His in his uh, research conclusion is we got to keep doing animal research to try to solve this problem, which has never been solved with any of these kinds of pseudo vaccines. Okay. We have to stop. And now that op-ed, uh, could this man have saved the world? What it's doing, as you just heard Dr. Bregan speak, it's bringing up questions, a lot of questions uh, that need to be answered, more or less. Uh, that's the nature of this uh, of this article, this op-ed. You'll find it right at americaoutloud.com. Could this man have saved the world? It's a pretty compelling uh, discussion. 
that you bring to the light of day. Um, the whole mRNA conversation uh, was very confusing to a lot of Americans, and they wanted to embrace this early on, thinking it was some sort of a salvation for COVID-19. Then to come to find out that it was not, it was the problem. And the way that it delivered this into your body and has caused all kinds of problems and panic, of course, in the vaccine world. Uh, so help us get this information out there. This is going to require just share and share and share this information and wake people up. There's a lot of hot buttons we talked about today that need to be uh, shared and we need to wake people up to, to make change here. Uh, thank you for joining us on the mission here on America Out Loud Viewpoint this Sunday. It's time, friends, to get involved and get loud, America.